Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Oh, come on, baby. We're having fun. Yeah. Hey, can we give a big hand to the 155 Dream Teamers that made this week happen? Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to one of the fathers that took off work to be there and made this his vacation this week. And he said, this is what I do for my teenager. This is, this is awesome. And it's just men and women like that that I think make the difference. And so one more time, let's give it up for the Dream Teamers. I'm so proud of you guys. So cool. Um, Thanks so much for being at church today. Uh, God's doing a great thing. And of course, this was a big week for us and so much fun. And I just want to tell you, we had, um, we had, let's see, over 800 students there this week, 16 states. And so um, that was great. Uh, over the course of the week, there was over a thousand people, but in terms of uh, young people that came and registered. And so it was just, it was just a great time. And uh, Josh already hit it, but there was so many that gave their lives to Jesus, many that committed to ministry um, full time. And just, just so many moments where kids encountered God. And I mean, just messages on everything from giving your life to reach the nation, serve the poor, read your Bible, pray. It was just a great week. And um, so anyway, those are so forming for our, for our kids. And so anyway, just loved it and just really grateful to all of you that sacrificed to make that happen. And we're in this series here uh, where we're talking about, um, the, we're, we called it Red Letters. We're talking about the parables of Jesus. And so uh, I just wanted us just to dive into the teaching of Jesus. Of course, about a third of Jesus' teaching was in the form of parable. It's in the form of story. And so, um, so we're diving into a different parable each week. And the one that, I, that we're gonna dive into this week is at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, I want to read that, then I'm going to pray, and then we'll talk about it, all right? So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 reads like this, Jesus speaking, concluding the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's the big point, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. So apropos for this morning. Um, Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with the great crash. Father, we love you today, and we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be people that bend our lives around the word of God. We pray that this teaching of Jesus would impact our lives in 2019, that we would live it. God, we ask, Lord, that you would refresh this very familiar parable to us. We pray that it would come alive in our hearts. We pray that as we go through the weeks and months and years and decades, that we, would, that we would grow and that we would build our lives on the words of Jesus, that we would practice what you've called us to do. We honor you and we love you. And everybody said amen. amen. When Renata and I uh, moved to Colorado Springs in our 20s, we uh, had a house built in a neighborhood and we were the first house to be built, it was brand new construction. We were excited about it. It was a little two bedroom house. And so we'd go look at it. We were the first house in that neighborhood. And so 
That seemed pretty awesome uh, until they built a big hole in the ground next to us and put up the exact same house. I mean, like the exact, you know how it is, you pick out the house, it's like the track home thing. And so we picked one out and then they picked, the, the people that built the house right next to us, it was the exact same house. And so uh, our neighbors and I, we, we just, what's up? It's just, it's just, you couldn't have any new ideas. But anyway, and so, uh, you know, you didn't say that, but you thought it. And so... Um, we are kind to our neighbors because it's biblical, but they had the exact same house as ours. And Jesus here, when he's talking about houses, it's this idea that you've got two houses that look the same until the storm comes. Uh, outside, it just looks the same, but the great revealer of the foundation is the storm. So you wanna know what it's built upon when the hard times, when the challenges come, that's the great revealer of what kind of foundation actually exists or, or is there. And so one, one did not survive the storm. It fell with a crash. And Jesus actually kind of makes a strong statement. He goes, with a great crash. I mean, it's, it's just a little extra oomph, like not just like, oh, no compassion there. It's like with a great, anyway, just bam, it, it's, it's, it's this crash. And if you want to know the status of your foundation, it's how you respond in the storm. If you want to know what exists in terms of your foundation, Jesus uses the language here, this parable of two different builders, and he's talking about people that are building their life. And so he's, he's, it's a metaphor, it's a parable, it's a picture about if you're going to build your life on the words of Jesus, practicing what he said, then when the storm comes, your foundation is strong. But if you don't, it will look fine. Your life will look okay. Things will look just like everything is good until the storm comes. And it's when the storm comes that you find out I was built on sand, not on rock. And so, and so you and I have to then go, okay, that's the metaphor. That's the picture. Storms are coming to people that build on rock and people that build on sand. Storms are coming. So the storm doesn't just come to one group. It's not just those that built on sand. It's not just those that build on rock. And Jesus looked at his disciples earlier and he said, in this life, you will have trouble. Trouble's gonna come. Storms are gonna come. Challenges are gonna come. You're gonna face difficulty. And, and as you go through that storm, you'll find out what your life is built upon. And he's using the language of these builders to try to talk about not building a house, but building a life. Build your life on a foundation. And the foundation is practicing. That's the, that's the interesting language. It's put into practice. It's do it. It's do these things. And I see this as like the great finale of the Sermon on the Mount. Because it, it's kind of like when you watch a, you know, fireworks and at the end, apropos July 4th coming up, what's up? And like at the very end, it's like pow, 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 it's big. And I see Jesus ending the Sermon on the Mount with this big statement where he's gone through and he's taught an abundance of ideas and he comes to the end and he says, now put this into practice. Don't let this just be head knowledge. You're gonna have to do it. You're gonna have to practice it. I remember... Um, my senior year of college, just completing my undergrad in theology and my last class with my systematic, two, uh, my systematic theology class, the professor pushed the books aside and he said, this will be my last class with you. And he went after our heart for the whole class. And he talked about the statistic of how few pastors remain in ministry for four decades. And then it's 
It was, a, it was a startling number, uh, very few that will make it. And I just remember him saying, of the 24 of you, there'll only be two of you probably in ministry four decades from now. And, you know, and then he went to pray for us and, and he began to talk about what to do with what we'd been taught over the last four years. And in, in Jesus, in a far better way, that's what he's doing. He's saying, okay, here's what I've taught you now. You, you have to do this got to put this into practice. And that's the challenge for you and I, especially if you've been in church for a while, when we're in a place where we hear teaching quite often, it's to practice these things, to live a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle with our lives, not just where we can quote it, not just where we can sing it or say it, but in the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, actually practice the things that Jesus said. And so I thought it'd be fun just to do a quick summary because these are some of the, the, the activate, the, there's action items in the Sermon on the Mount. And, I, and, and obviously Sermon on the Mount is the most famous sermon in history, possesses the most content. But I think just kind of, kind of going through it and just looking at just a few ideas uh, of Jesus telling them to activate a few things. I just want you to feel the weightiness of this so that you're not mostly thinking about a veggie tale song when you hear this parable. You're not mostly thinking about the wise man built his house upon the rock, the wise man built his house. But you're mostly thinking about how do I, how, where I'd like you to go is I'd like you to, is, you know how, um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, I heard this with like, a, like a, a nutrition coach one day and it just stuck with me, but he was talking about if it was gonna be a good day or a fat day. And um, I don't know if that's bad to say in church, but I just said it. And so somehow I, I, that stuck with me. And he would use the phrase, just win the day. You don't have to like, don't think in terms of, just win the day. And what he was saying is eat vegetables today, not Dunkin' Donuts, which I've already failed. But, um, <laughs> um, but he would say, win the day. And, 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 and I was thinking about this idea. I think sometimes that it's just kind of in the recesses of our mind, like, all right, I'm going to build on the rock, but if you can think about is today a rock day or a sand day? Like, did I, did I win today by putting into practice what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? That's the win, where I practice what he told me to do. And I don't want to just be theory, I want it to be kind of locked in your, your, your head. All right, I'm just gonna win the day. All right, so I don't know, but here we go. But I just want you to see a few of these, because these, the activating these things are hard, but if we can activate these things on a daily basis, here's. Here's the concept. Jesus says this. I'm just going to read you some of them because I just want you to feel them. You've probably read these lots of times. Know these. That's great. We're not talking this morning about knowing it. Today, we're talking about practicing it. That's, that's what Jesus says, doing it, practicing it. All right. He talks about good deeds. All right. Matthew 5, 16. This was part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, so let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Motive, glorifying the Father. What do you do? You, you shine before others. Then he talks about reconciliation, Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift, all right? That's activating, all right? That's reconciliation. That's, that's not living this day with bitterness and anger and resentment and frustration, but activating reconciliation. It says it with lust, all right? You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart, all right? So there you go, win the day, all right? Love your enemies, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies, 
and pray for those who, per who persecute you, okay? Activating these, this content is a lot. There's an abundance. This is activating th these things that Jesus has just taught is a lot. Give to the needy, 6-3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So giving, giving to the needy, giving in secret, and then there's prayer in here. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And we got fasting in secret, 617. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right, store up treasures in heaven. 619, do not store up, your, up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, vermin? Is that like varmint? Just kidding. All right. Where, sorry, just kidding. Not funny. Uh, <laughs> where vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Sorry, I've never actually used that word in a sentence before. Um, don't worry. Therefore, and this is a big one for us. Come on, Americans. Here we go. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. <laughs> That's a hard one. A lot of money to be made off you if people can get you worrying about tomorrow. A lot of products you'll buy if they can get you worried about tomorrow. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day is enough trouble of its own. Seven one, do not judge. Woo, you two will be judged. Pray persistently in seven seven. Ask will be given you. Seek and, will, uh, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Here's my point. A lot of active things. Jesus had a lot of application. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And he comes to the end and then he just says, kind of like if you're a parent, you look at your kids and you'd say, no, just, just do what I told you. Just, just do it. You know, like you, you know it. You're not doing it. Love you, bless you. You're my boy, but just do what I said. You know, like, just do it. That, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly how he said, like, teeth gritted, like, come on, Peter, just do this stuff. But, but, but it's kind of got that, what a parent or a coach put into practice what I've taught you. If you will do this, and that's when he rolls out the parable. It's on the heels. It's the finale of all this content. And he's saying, put it into practice. Every day, you have a choice. Will it be a rock day or a sand day? You're gonna build on the things the world has to offer or are you gonna build on the words of Christ? You're gonna put into practice what Jesus says or you put into practice what the culture says. If the culture says, come on, build it on materialism, build it on narcissism, build it on relationships and friends, build it on pleasure, just just build it on a lot of other values. Here's the one that Jesus says, build your life on me. Do, hear me, and then do what I've told you to do. Practice it, put, put it into practice. That's the parable, that's the challenge. And so then comes the question, how much weight does what Jesus said carry with me? Look at 728, at the end of this parable, let's just look at the way it ends. When Jesus had finished saying th these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. There it is, and not as the teachers of the law. So to the hearers, first century, sitting there, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks and his teaching possesses authority. 
So we asked the question for us in our lives, 2019, living in Kansas City, how much authority will the words of Jesus have in our lives today? Will they have relational authority? Meaning I'm close to Jesus. Therefore, he is my friend. I want what he wants. I want his will to be done. Meaning I, he's the king, <laughs> no matter what I feel. They have authority because he's Jesus. And so how much authority will the words of Jesus have in your life? Or you say, well, I can, I'm gonna build on my own logic. I'm gonna build on the philosophy of others. I'm gonna build on, name it. I'm gonna build on tradition, uh, my, what my parents did before me what my grandparents did, what the guy on the radio says, will you build your life on the words of Jesus by knowing him and practicing them? And it's actually in what you do where Jesus says it demonstrates if you're building on the rock or the sand. It's not, it's not in what you have in here. It's, it's the way that it plays out. Um, last Sunday was Father's Day. And it was uh, the Father's Day of 2010, um, where we had four little babies. Like, Doss was our oldest, um, and then Just was our youngest, and we had four, four kids. And there was a moment on Father's Day that I'll never forget, where Renata and I were cleaning up the house at the end of the day, four little kids. And as we're cleaning, Renata points to a wet spot on the carpet and said, David, Smell that and tell me if it's water or urine. <laughs> in that moment, the relational authority that she has in my life is tested. <laughs> like how much influence does she have? Because if I'm at Josh Hubbard's house and Josh says, a friend of mine, David, smell the wet spot in the carpet. Tell me if it's water or urine. I am not smelling that carpet. I mean, I'm going to think about it because it's Josh, but I will decline. If I'm, if, I'm at a, if I'm at a restaurant and a stranger says to me, yo, what's up, doll? Hey, smell that for me. Tell me if it's water or urine. I am giving him a bad look. Ooh. What? There's no chance. I'm not smelling, what, right? If a stranger tells me to, he does not have the authority. There's no, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm figuring, hey, I'm gonna hurry. See you later, what's up? You know, if a friend says, smell it, I'm like, I'm trying to figure a way to get out of it. But Renata creates the opportunity. And within moments, my nose was in the carpet. It ain't water, baby, it ain't water. Why? Because there's a lot of relationship there. She's my bride. We're doing life together for another six decades. And if she says it, what's up? I'm on it. Okay? Here's what we do. We read the words of Jesus, and based upon how much influence, authority he has in your life, you go, mm, I'm on it. Or I'm kind of close to Jesus, but I don't know. I'll take each one according to what I think about it, what the logic is, what my family says, what other people say, the book that I last read, the podcast, what someone else says. Or if you're not close at all, then you're like, no chance, I'm applying that one. But Jesus says, you want to know 
Actually, you'll know if you're my disciples, <laughs> if you do what I tell you to do. That's what Jesus says in John. And so for us, if you're, if you're close to him, you're reading the Sermon on the Mount and you're saying, he's got influence in my life. He is my king. He's got positional authority and we're friends. I've given my life, I mean, he's, he, he's everything to me. I'm, I'm, I, the Holy Spirit has taken up residency inside of me. So if I read it, I'm gonna apply it. I'm gonna get close to God and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And you might not feel it. Challenge of the culture, the culture says, do what you feel. Challenge of the word of God is do some things that are based upon the teachings of Jesus that you may not feel at all. Reconcile, oh. Love your enemies, dear me, what? Give to the poor, ah. Pray in secret, fast, ay, 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 ay. So Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes to the end. Hey guys, don't teach this like I'm just intellectually smart, and he is, but I have authority. Build your life on it. I will build my life upon your word. You will build it on something. It will either be rock or sand. You will either build it on the word of God or you'll build your life on something else you come up with. You're choosing every day. Which way am I gonna go? Am I gonna build on rock? Am I gonna build on sand? So David, how, how do I build on the rock? Here's a few ideas. Number one, I want to encourage you to whatever level you can, come around in seasons of your life and ask God to help you treasure the word of God. Treasure it. Like I want to know it. Like not, I've heard a lot of messages. I grew up in church. Therefore, I have a base knowledge I'm not interested in. No, no, no. There's more for you to learn, no matter how much you have. Even if you have multiple theology degrees, there is, if the, the word of God is alive. It's living and active. So I want more of your word. And so getting in your head that, that there's never enough. And, 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 and you, there's more today in terms of studying the scripture available than ever before. I mean, I remember when sitting in my dad's office when he would study for sermons and we spent, well, he spent, <laughs> I did nothing. Uh, he spent a lot of time just looking, trying to find the right book, right? And he had all these books everywhere, right? Now I have more books than he ever had, just right here. I can sit at Starbucks and it's just bam, right there, right? You've got electronically, or if you've got in paper, there's, there's more paper type Bibles than ever before. There's more electronic, bi you can have a Bible for free on your phone. You might be doing that right now while I'm preaching, right? Like it's available all the time. It's available. So no excuses about it, it's, it's there. And then trying to say, all right, help me grow, help me learn it. And getting in a pace, I wanna encourage you to try to get in the word of God every day. Almost every uh, church study company that comes out and talks about spiritual vitality, what church members need to grow in God, number one, more than uh, anything, more than sermons, more than pipe and drape or pour over coffee. Is there anything? I mean, the number one thing that they need is that they are alone in the scriptures, like your own time alone with God. And so I wanna invite you to just, even if it's, even if it's just, if you have a crazy day and it's just a few minutes, 
I remember in 2010, I always talk about 2010 because it was the craziest year of my life. Um, 2010, Renata and I thought our lives were insane. Um, it, it was just so busy. And, and I remember f- having this in my heart and, and yet feeling like I would get behind and I wasn't in the scripture like I wanted to be. And so for my birthday of 2009, I asked for the Bible experience, which was the Bible on CD. And so I just had the thought, I, I, I'm in this car a lot. I, back then I had a green Isuzu Rodeo. It was awesome. Um, and I was always in that car, like driving to and from the Denver airport, to and from where, I just felt like I was always in. So anyway, so I, starting January 1, I just had, I mean, you know, it's like 20, it's a lot of CDs. And I just put them between the two seats, you know, by the emergency brake. And I just decided that until I'd listened to the entire scripture, I wasn't gonna talk on the phone and I wasn't gonna listen to sports radio. I mean, this is 21st century sacrifice here. And, <laughs> and, and I was just gonna listen to the scriptures. And what was fun was, I mean, I, I was in the car enough that by the end of 2010, I had already finished uh, Revelation. Like I'd gone Genesis to Revelation. That was the positive. The negative was my children asked me questions that were astounding. Like my four-year-old Olivia was like, dad, I have a question. Well, what's adultery? And I was like, oh my. Uh, <laughs> guess I need to mute parts of the script. Anyway, so... Um, and their friends' friends were like making jokes about the Bible experience. You know, so a couple things I'd work on, but <laughs> carpool dad, your dad's cray cray. But, uh, but it was awesome. And in that year, I just, it, that, for that year, that was really helpful because that was probably the biggest year or the busiest year of our lives. And I wanted to just encourage you to think that way. Like, okay, I'm gonna get the scriptures in me written, paper, electronic. I mean, if you download on version, if you download a Bible app, the Bible app, I mean, you can get audio right there. You can get every translation, but just a determination. I wanna get it in me. If you get it in you, you increase your understanding. You increase when you hear a teaching, where it connects in different places. You've got more of a Bible framework and your enjoyment level goes up. And so, Get just, just working to get it in you. One of the great things that Banning Leapshire said this week that I loved was he said, not every day will it be amazing and powerful and fireworks and, and incredible, but you need every day for the sake of spiritual nourishment. And then he said, one day I had the best meal of my life at Disneyland. I think he said Disneyland. And he talked about, I mean, he spent a long time talking about the, the meal and how great it was and the, everything that he ate and how awesome it was and the view. And then he said, but I don't usually eat that way. He said, I have a whole lot of meals that I can't remember, but I need all of the meals that I can't remember to keep me nourished. And that's true for you too. There will be moments where it is a Disneyland meal. I mean, it is like, it is good for you. It's like in and out. It's like just awesome, right? <laughs> it's power, I mean, but then there's a lot of days where it's just mac and cheese and carrots. Like, ah, uh, did I, you know, it's, it's, it's not, someone said awesome. It's, 
It's not necessarily memorable and amazing, but you, you, you're feeding your soul on the word of God, getting your heart to come alive. And so I wanna encourage you, treasure it. Uh, and, and, and work it into your life, work it into your daily routine. Renata says it this way, stack your habit, like pick something that you already do and just say, like for me, that was like driving, you know, I'm just gonna, I already drive, I already spend my life in this truck. Like, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a place, find a way to say, even if it's audio, even if it's just someone on, a, on an app, just saying the scriptures to you, and, and those values will help you begin to practice them when you know them. When you don't know them, it's hard to practice them. If you have it in you, if you can say it, if you can think it, if it is, I mean, if you have those, the Bible experience in your head and those voices in your head, those are the voices when you go to face situations that you remember. And, and I just wanna encourage you as your pastor, to consider your intake of other voices. Like you only have certain capacity and when you're taking in constant godlessness, it is amazing how that begins to trap your thoughts, which plays out in your emotions and actions. But if you don't give it a place to take root in your head, it won't bear down on your emotions and actions. And so we have more godlessness available to us than any generation in history. I mean, it's right there in, in, a, in an instant. And so I wanna encourage you to just do inventory on what am I taking in? I remember one summer where I was working uh, in high school and my buddy's dad owned a bunch of rental homes and we spent the whole summer working on those rental homes and there was a work crew and I joined the crew. I was the youngest. And so I just did what they did. But what they did is they just turned on like a, a boom box. Is that what you call it? Uh, I don't know the word. Um, and, th- and they would just blare, just, they would just blare music all day long. And it was, it was, it was I'm, not, I'm not trying to start a country music fight. I'm just telling you the story. And I know a lot of people are gonna now be turned off and be like, I don't wanna listen to that preacher because he just said that. So I'm not trying to pick a rock and roll versus country type fight, but you know what I'm saying. So, but it was just this, it was this music that I had never heard before. I didn't know it. I was 16, mullet braces, ah, Oklahoma. And, and uh, listening to country music, painting, hitting nails, which I was not that great at. Um, and, but I just remember, um, this is really vulnerable. I remember driving home and, and wrestling with decisions I was making. And I knew the word of God. I had, I had a, I'd been discipled by my father. I, I had scriptures in me, but now I had another narrative in my head because I had hours of a different value system that just that summer was starting to just pop up. And, my, and prior to that, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I, know it exi- I knew it existed and I'd been around a little bit. I'm not saying that I was completely sheltered, but I, I wasn't in, it wasn't like a deluge of just a constant wave after wave of it. But now I was like soaking in it all day long. And I just remember, I remember thinking about just how I was gonna spend that summer, nights, weekends, trips, And just vulnerably, I'll never forget the moment where I was like, I could, I've always done the right thing, tried to apply the words of Jesus, but I had the phrase in my head, I'm old enough to know better, but I'm still too young to care. 
And I'm sorry if that's like you and your wife's favorite song, but, but I remember that coming up. I remember that being like, yeah, let's have a good summer. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's, let's make some bad choices. Let's, and I didn't, I didn't make terrible choices, but I remember the battle. I remember the fights. And I say that to tell you, that battle, that war in your head, you're the, you're the guardian making the choices on the intake. And if you don't, <laughs> it's real hard for that Bible experience, the word of God, Sermon on the Mount to break through if all you're taking in is godlessness. I'm just telling you, you make the choices. And I know some of you will push back and go like, I can handle it. Psst, all right. Just telling you, you can't, but whatever. All right. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Jesus, the son of a carpenter, says, here's how it works. And I'd like you to just take the Sermon Mountain and know, Jesus knows what he's talking about. You don't want this thing to end in a crash. And so you wanna make sure you know the word of God, and then you just say, God, give me help and strength to practice it. One of the ways that you will do better is if your intake is of worldly things decreases. All right, last thing is this, obey what you already know. Just obey what you already know. Uh, wisdom is the ability and decision to apply biblical truth to life's realities. Foolishness, inability, or refusal to apply biblical truth to life's realities. So you're making choices. And I wanna encourage you to just put into action what you already know. And let these foundations be your core. Foundations are not celebrated. Found nobody... People will come to your house and say, let me take a picture, house party, woo, and put your house up on Instagram. Looks good. Let's have a house party. Nobody comes over and says, oh, you got a foundation. Let's take a picture. It just doesn't happen. But the foundation is what determines the house. And so when you're practicing the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle in secret, people won't be <laughs> applauding, but you're building a life that will stand the storms. And storms are coming. And so I want to encourage you, just, just practice. The way that you build it is know the word of God. Know the words of Jesus. Build on Jesus. Build on the words of God and put it into practice. I'll just close with this. Um, <laughs> all of us want to survive the storms. And sometimes we think, I think because we live in a culture that challenges you to, that you are strong, we think that our strength will help us survive the storm. But Jesus makes it clear that it's, it's putting into practice what he taught us that helps you survive the storm. And if you'll do these words of Jesus, if you'll pray in secret, give in secret, fast in secret, reconciliation when you don't feel like it, give to the poor, refuse to live a life of lust, just Matthew 5, 6, 7, do not judge. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. And just, if you'll take those things and make them, whether you feel them or not, this is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus said. I'm building my life on his word. If you'll do those things as a conviction, even when it's not an emotion, then you'll be able to survive the storms and the storms are coming. When uh. My boy Justice was about three. Um, we bought him a punching bag 
and it had a bounce back bass. So three-year-old Justice, pop! And the punching bag goes, plop, 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 stand. Three-year-old Justice, Our lives sometimes don't feel like, here comes a storm, nothing gonna knock me down, I'm fine, it's painful. You go through the disease, it feels like <laughs> But I'm just telling you, 21st century toys like first century buildings, <laughs> houses. You gotta bounce back base if you got the word of God alive inside of you and that you're active. So you can get shocked that this would happen to you. Surely not me. Surely this relational break, this financial storm, this slanderous word, this storm can't be hitting me. Here's what I encourage you with. If for years prior to the storm, given to the poor, praying in secret, fasting in secret, the Beatitudes, I mean, just taking the Sermon on the Mount, and you're committed to living the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. According to Jesus, you may get popped, but you'll come back up. Bounce back base, standing. Rains fall, beat against the house, but it did not fall. Amen? Amen, let's stand, let's pray together and ask God to help us live this. Father, today we as Radiant Church, we give you our lives. Father, we ask that you would help us to practice the words of Jesus. Pray that the Sermon on the Mount would be our story. We just love Jesus with all of our hearts. We just want to be a Radiant Church that shines the light of Jesus in a dark world. And I pray for my friends today. I pray for those who are going through storms today. Maybe you're going through a storm today and your life has already crashed. I've got good news for you today. Give your life to Jesus. And Jesus takes the ashes, the pain, the hurt, the disaster, and he can be your foundation today. Jesus today can become the rock that you build your life upon. If that's you today, just show and invite you. Just build on the rock. Give your life to Jesus. Let his words, what he says, who he is, let that be your foundation. Not yourself, not materialism, not fame and fortune, but Christ, the solid rock. I want to invite you just to pray this prayer. If that's you today and you want to begin a life with Christ. Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. Just say that to God. I give you my life. I choose to follow Jesus just like the disciples did in the first century. I give you my life. Make me a new person. Change me, heal me. I give my life to you. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.